We're going to learn a mitzvah today. The mitzvah we're going to learn today is the mitzvah in Hebrew, Lo Samed Al Dam Reyacha. You shall not stand aside while your fellow's blood is shed. Okay, a very, very important mitzvah, and to some extent a relevant mitzvah now. Um, it, it'll, it'll lay out the guidelines of what our response may need to be to the war in Israel. Um, but even to the extent that it doesn't affect us directly, it might affect people living in Israel more, it's still an important mitzvah to learn about. Okay, so that's what it says in the Torah. Vayikra, 1916, do not stand aside while your fellow's blood is shed. So the basic understanding of that is talking where you're walking down the street and you see somebody in a life-threatening situation. You have an obligation to go help save that person's life. You cannot walk away. You cannot close your eyes to it. And that's what Rashi says. The primary commentator in Torah says that, for example, if somebody is, if you know or see of somebody drowning in a river or being attacked by a wild beast or being attacked by a person or a bandit, he's obligated to save the life of the person who is in danger. As it says, you shall not stand aside while your, your fellow's blood is shed. Okay, so we're going to explore this mitzvah a little bit. There's different opinions amongst the rabbis of how far you're required to go to help somebody. That's the basic, that's basically what the discussion is about. Can I just ask you a question about the context? Sure. Is it like a list of mitzvahs from the Parsha or is there like some sort of that I'm situation? going through? No, like where yeah. this mitzvah comes from the Parsha? I'm saying it's is in, it, like is what's it the like, context of what, how the mitzvah is written in the Torah? Yeah, is it? The mitzvah before actually is not to uh, say Lashon Hara, Selech Rachel Bamisat, I think, if I'm quoting that right. I think it's like a list of, it's like Moshe yeah. just listing Yeah, it's a lot of mitzvahs that have to do with how we treat one another, and this is one of them. Okay. Yeah. So the question is, how far are we obligated to go in order to help someone? Okay? So everybody agrees that if you, if helping out somebody who's at danger of death is going to is not going to be dangerous for you. It's not going to put your own life in danger. You're obligated to help. Everybody agrees that if it's going to put your life in danger, and there's a very significant risk that you will die trying to help, you are not required to help. For example, that would be, I don't know, if you see somebody, you know, a shooting attack, and you have no weapons. So for you to run out and try to stop somebody with a gun with your bare hands is almost certainly going to put your life in danger. So that you wouldn't be required to do to that extent. But there's other ways you may be required to help. The question is the middle ground. The question is, what if there's a, a suffolk, it's a doubt of how much danger you'd be putting yourself in. So the Torah demands of us that we not just err on the side of caution. Just be like, eh, I don't want to risk anything. You are required to put yourself to, through some limit of risk to your own self to help somebody. You can't just walk away and not worry about it. This mitzvah, it's, it's ironic because it's a negative prohibition. That means it's not a mitzvah that tells you to do something, it's a do not do. It's a don't. Do not stand idle while your fellow is in danger. But nonetheless, it requires you to take action. Do not stand idle says you are required to be proactive to help save the life of that person. So 
there's so it's a very big mitzvah. The Rambam says, Maimani says that if you don't fulfill this mitzvah, if you see somebody dying and you don't help, so you're violating this prohibition, this law. In the times when the Jewish people had their own court systems, the Jewish courts would give out the punishments of the Torah for different prohibitions, failure to do a mitzvah or doing a or doing the you know uh, violating a prohibition. But this one wouldn't have a punishment by a rabbinic court. The reason for that is because rabbinic court is only allowed to punish for an action that is done, not an action that is not done. So if you have a losase, a prohibition that does not involve an action, they, they don't technically have the authority to punish you for it. Okay, so there wouldn't be like a physical punishment given by a court for that, but Maimonides says that even though that is the case and, and the court cannot really do much about it, it is extremely important, and it is one of the most strict mitzvahs in the Torah, because, as we say, Anybody who causes the loss of one Jewish life, it's as if he caused the destruction of the entire world. And one who upholds, or saves, or rescues the life of one Jew, it's as if he sustained or created or built the entire world. So uh, Jewish blood is very, very, very precious. And, uh, we're required to do everything we can to try to help a Jew who's in danger. Okay? So I'm going to read a little bit from the Sefer HaMitzvah. That's what I like to do when we're learning a new mitzvah that talks about the guidelines of this. So he says, as we said, the basic understanding of it is that if you see somebody who's drowning in a river or he's being attacked by an animal or he's being attacked by a person or a bandit, he's required to save him. He's required to proactively go and save his life. As the Torah says, Lo Not only is one personally obligated to save him, he's even required to, to exert a lot of effort in order to save him. Which means maybe he'll have to hire somebody. Maybe he'll have to. Maybe he'll have a lot of financial resources that will have to go into that. He's still required to go and save him, even at a at a significant cost. Although the commentators say on that that you are allowed to bill the person afterwards for the cost that you had saving his life, which is which has to be that way. Like for example, I don't know, take like an ambulance company. An ambulance driver is driving down the street and sees somebody dying. Their job is to take that person to the hospital. But obviously they can't uh, sign a contract before. He can't put his credit card on file before because he's dying in the street. So the ambulance company will bill them afterwards. You know, they're entitled to bill them for, the, for services even though they may have been required to help them. So you don't have to, ultimately, you don't have to end up with a loss. You, the person will be required to pay you back for the, the efforts that you did. And then he says, we'll talk about this at the end, if we have time, that not only is this talking about saving a life, but even it refers to other, other losses as well. The sages of blessed memory also included in this prohibition that one may not withhold testimony that he knows regarding, regarding a court case. Rather, he must offer it in order that his fellow not lose money through lack of sufficient testimony. As, and he quotes from the Sifra, the same idea. How do you know that if you withhold testimony, you're violating a mitzvah because the Torah says, do not stand by while your, your fellow's blood is shed. So in this case, 
its application is broader than just saving a life. But we'll get to that at the end. Let's continue with the simple understanding of it. Another, another point that the, that the Book of Mitzvahs brings down is that you're not required to risk your own life to save somebody's life, but you may be required to kill in order to save somebody's life. If somebody's being chased down by a murderer and the only way to prevent the, the, the murder is by killing the pursuer, he's going to be required to even kill for the sake of saving a life. Obviously, in that, in that context, one is allowed to kill. So that's another point in it. And then when it comes to the purpose of the mitzvah, I don't know, what would you say? Like, what's the purpose of this mitzvah? The book of mitzvah says something extremely simple. The underlying purpose of this mitzvah is well known. For just as one will save his fellow when his fellow is in danger, so will his fellow save him when he is in danger. And the world will thus remain populated and like well settled. And that is what God wants. The Almighty desires the world to be inhabited. Because as it says uh, in Isaiah, Lashevas Yitzara, God created the world for it to be inhabited. Okay, the way I understand this, to have a functioning society, you need to have people looking out for each other's back. That's why the Torah sets the bar of morality that you've got to help out your fellow. You've got to help. You can't just turn a blind eye. Society starts to crumble when people turn a blind eye to, to violence and attacks in this kind of way. We'll talk about that more in a second. Okay, that mitzvah applies in every situation, every location, both to men and to women. And uh, one who violates it is, is violating a negative prohibition. That's the words of the, of the mitzvahs. In order for society to be functioning, we need to care about the life of our fellow. And the question is, this is the, this is the morality that the Torah sets for us. How's the Western world doing when it comes to this, this bar of morality? Unfortunately, I know of way too many stories, and I'm sure you all do as well, of people who are being viciously attacked in America and bystanders do nothing, do absolutely nothing, or take out their phone and film. It's the most horrific thing in the world. I'm from New York, and I, it's like I'm embarrassed to know of so many stories in New York this City where people are being murdered and bystanders are just walking by. I saw a video from surveillance video in Times Square of two men attacking each other, and at least one of them was holding a knife. I'm not sure if both of them were holding a knife. And you see in the background, you know, Times Square, there's hundreds of people just walking, crossing the street, doing their thing, cars honking. And one woman wanted to cross the street, and the most direct way to cross the street was to walk between these two men who were trying to kill each other. She just walked straight in between them. <laughs> <laughs> I know she didn't notice, she didn't care. She literally walked between two people who were trying to kill each other. And a few minutes later, one was dead on the ground. And nobody did a, nobody did a single thing. And this happens way too often in, in our society. It is, it is terrible. It is horrific. You know the story recently-ish of somebody... Like, you don't have to get in there. Which is called even call the police. Yeah. Could what you said. Could be some people here. didn't. That from this mitzvah, that A, we are required to have a cell phone. 
Um, the chair. So we're gonna yes, and we got to talk so about you can call the cops. what the Torah we'll call requires the, of we'll us. Call the, or the fire department or the ambulance. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get in that fight either. Even if you don't want to get in the fight, it appears that we yeah. might have a positive mitzvah. Yeah, yeah. You have a cell phone and call nine one one. Yeah. So. So good. So Coach the question is, what, what are the, the question is, what are the different <laughs> ways to do this mitzvah? That's the question. That's the only thing that I mean, um, it, it's clear from from the rabbis, and this is from the code of Jewish law as well, that one can fulfill this mitzvah by calling for help if that's the way to do it. Um, but again, you have to like weigh every situation. So if like if you see, you know, God forbid, somebody witnesses. Uh, an attack, let's say a terrorist attack in Israel has happened way, way too often of a, of a terrorist with a knife that's chasing or stabbing a Jew in Israel. And you're a witness to that and you have a gun, which many people in Israel do. Right? If you have a gun and you see that, your job is not to call the police. Your job is to shoot, not to call the police. Now, if you don't have a weapon and, and getting involved is going to put your life in danger, then you fulfill your mitzvah by calling the police. Well, then go, go the next step. You, you got to do what you got to do. The dead appear. Assuming the law allows it, okay, that you should be required to have a weapon, train on how to use it, and know how to use it. So That's that a good question. I don't know how far this mitzvah goes to require you to plan for it in an environment where it, it hasn't come up. But Maybe in, in a particularly dangerous in, area where it's more likely to happen. No, there's very strict laws against guns in New York City. So that's a bad example because of the Sullivan Law. But it would appear that in a place where these issues arise and you can defend yourself and you may need to defend yourself and or others, that you might be required. I don't know. If you do that, you may be better positioned to fulfill a mitzvah. By Jewish law, I don't know if that would require you to carry just in case. I don't know. That would require a more in-depth analysis of, of the laws of this, but it's a very interesting point. There's a story recently in some country, not America, some country of somebody who was pouring gasoline all over himself. It's a well, well, well-spread video. There's a guy who's pouring gasoline over himself, and then he takes a lighter out of his pocket. And I think it was in Paris or in Europe somewhere. And it, it's a bustling like intersection or... or pedestrian like walkway right behind him is a cafe where like a hundred people are sitting and eating lunch and he just does it clearly openly the container is you know those like red gasoline containers it's very clear what he's doing and he takes out a lighter to start to start flicking the lighter and a yeshiva student like i think it was a chabad i don't know if it was a shliach or a, a student with a chabad or whatever but he ran up and jumped on him and stopped him and, and took away or like hit away the lighter. I don't know exactly what he did. It was a whole new it was a whole thing in the news. The guy afterwards, some people were claiming that he only did it as a social experiment. So I don't really know what the conclusion is, whether he was really about to kill himself or whether it was a social experiment. But either way, if even if it was a social experiment, at least it's a beautiful outcome that the Jew who saw it stopped him. Yeah. Um, it's it doesn't reflect well on everybody else around there who didn't do anything about it. That is that is pretty ridiculous. But it happens. It happens many many times. People people don't really care. People just walk by or people pull out their cell phones, and that is not the morality that the Torah demands of us. So I want to do some research and see, you know, our wonderful upstanding Western society of 
ethics and morality, what are the laws about this mitzvah? Okay, what are the laws? Does American law require one to fulfill this mitzvah? No. That's why I decided to research. What's the answer? No. Almost never. Almost never. So there's two categories of, of American law that could apply to this in one way or another. The first one is Good Samaritan laws. And those definitely do not go nearly as far as what the Torah says. The Torah says, you see somebody in trouble, go help them. Good Samaritan laws say, you're not required to help them, but if you do, we're going to protect you Say so you don't get sued. If you do in good faith, with certain, you know, with certain guidelines, we won't sue you. As if to say, we at least have a law that you won't get in trouble for helping somebody. It was designed Definitely not a law that you have to help. It was originally designed like for doctors who see something on the side of the road or somewhere. And it, right, but it applies and to all citizens as well. Yeah. Okay, the, the second... Okay, but obviously, the, the Torah requires you to do a lot more and yeah. to go help yourself or if you're unable, not capable, it would put you in life danger or whatever it would, that would be, that would be to call for help. That would be to call 911 or, or to find somebody. By the way, you could fulfill the mitzvah according to the Torah in any way that you prevent the action. If you could sweet talk the, the murderer, you know, and you could convince him not to do it, like that would, that would be fine as well. Whatever, whatever you need to do. So the closest thing in American law is basically something referred to as mandatory reporting. There are a few people that are required to report crimes. Very few. Teachers are required to, to report abuse or crimes against children, something like that, like in a school setting, you have specific rules. It's not all crimes. I, no, it's not even all crimes. Therapists have like certain guidelines on when they might have to. I believe pharmacists need to report if drugs are stolen, like or maybe people also with drugs, but very, very few, very rare. Police officers, first responders, they are required to actually what? do their job if they see somebody dying on the side of the road. And they're required to report a crime as well. Except I came across the most ridiculous scenario where a California police officer was convicted of abusing minors. And, and as part of the, the, the prosecution against him, they wanted to also charge him with failing to report a crime. Because a police officer is actually required to, to report a crime. He failed to report his own crime of abusing minors. So they wanted to throw that at, at him also. Okay? They wanted to not only convict him of the abuse that he did, but you failed to uphold your responsibility as a police officer to report a crime. But they let him off. And they said that that requirement does not apply to one's own crimes. What? And the reason is because such a requirement were, would forfeit the Fifth Amendment yeah, privilege against self-incrimination. <laughs> what an unbelievable system. Wow. There are, there are very few states, Texas is the main one, that actually does require you to report a violent crime in action, and a, and a small handful of others that have it to some effect. But for the most part, it's not definitely not on the federal level, and just as in America, this is more or less the Western approach to things in, in other countries as well. I did a gun safety class, and it was unbelievable. At one point, this insurance company came to talk to us. It was unbelievable how many rights 
the robbers, the tra like the trespassers. Like yeah. you try to defend yourself and your property, and you're gonna get sued. Yeah. Like it's a crazy. The whole justice system is crazy. And I wonder if that contributes to people's lack of desire to help each other. Yes. Yeah. So now you're gonna right. sue me if I get involved in your dispute. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't yeah. want to get sued, uh, yeah. so I'm out. Right. Yeah. Most, you know what I mean? most people. It's not the Jewish way. Yeah. that. Um, which is why you also get people who know how to do these things and um, they don't allow the perpetrator to live because then he can't complain later. Right. Okay, let's continue and let's do more. <laughs> let's, let's talk about it more at the end. I just want to get through this, this other part now. All right, so what country is a, is, a, is a light onto the nations? What country is a beacon of, of morality? that actually took the moral standards of the Torah and implemented it into their law. Drum roll. The state of Israel. The state of Israel. So, here's the research I did. Until 1998, Israel law did not require rescuing someone whose life is in danger, except for three exceptions. And this is already, even these three exceptions are already more than American law was. Okay? One is parents were actually legally required to come to the rescue of their children. Wow. Yeah. Well, wow, good one there. Good one there. As I wouldn't to want to get it. I wouldn't want to get in trouble, so I'm going to save my child's life. You know, well, as, as opposed to people who kill their kids, which has happened in America. Firefighters were required to come to the rescue when they are summoned, and the third one is the driver of a car involved in an accident, or the driver of a car who passes by an accident, who must come to the rescue of those injured. Aside from those three exceptions, there was no legal obligation to save the life of one's fellow man. All of this changed in June 1998, when the Lotamad al-Dam Reyacha law was passed by the Knesset. <laughs> it's fascinating. Only in the Jewish state. So here's the law. Enacted by the Israeli Knesset on 28 Sivan 5758, June 22nd, 1998. Uh, this is the English translation, of course. A person is obligated to pro-offer assistance when able to do so without endangering himself or his fellow to a person who, in close proximity and following a sudden event, is subject to a serious and immediate danger to his life, his person, or his health. If, okay, that's number one. Clause B, if that person notifies the authorities or calls upon another person who could proffer the required assistance, then he shall be deemed as though he proffered assistance for the purpose of this law. In this section, authorities is the police, the ambulance service, and firefighting services. The court may order the person, the party responsible for causing, okay, that's number two. Okay, by the way, we're literally following the, the Shulchan Aruch here. Right? Number one, you're required to help. Number two, you could fulfill that requirement by asking somebody else who's better able to handle it. Number three, this is another, this was, I think also in the Code of Jewish Law, the court may order the party responsible for causing the danger that the rescued person was subject to, including the rescued person himself, if he caused his own danger, to reimburse the person who proffered assistance according to his obligation under Section 1 for reasonable cost and expenses that he incurred. So that's also following Jewish law that you're able to bill that afterwards. 
and the person doesn't have to take that loss. I wonder who sponsored this legislation. I could tell you. I think it's, it's going to say in a minute. The minister, okay, then it's technicalities. Minister of Justice is charged with the implementation of this, implementation of this law, and the law comes into effect 90 days after it's publicized. Okay, this is signed here by Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister, who is apparently Prime Minister since the State of Israel was founded, <laughs> and Azer Wiseman, President of the State, Sahi Hanegbi, Minister of Justice, and Dan Tichon, the Knesset Speaker. Who is it sponsored by? I'm not sure. Okay, so that's the law. The, the, the law. But, but what's so fascinating is that this is the, every law, if I understand this properly, has explanatory notes that, that describe the context or the background or the why of the law. So this is from the draft bill of the Knesset. This is the why. And here's what it says. This was written on December 14, 1992. This bill is founded upon the command of the Torah which stipulates the great moral rule, you should not stand idly by when your fellow man is in danger of harm, I am the Lord. The Talmud explains this rule in graphic terms, from where arises the obligation for one who sees his fellow man driving in a stream, or a wild animal mauling, mauling him, or robbers attacking him, that he is obligated, obligated to save him from the verse, you shall not stand idly by when your fellow man is in danger of harm. Furthermore, the Talmud learns from this verse that the duty of rescuing one's fellow man also applies when this involves great efforts and financial expense on his part, and such is the halacha according to the Rambam. And the Torah adds that if the rescued person has the means, he is obligated to pay his rescuer. Interesting. Seems to be adding another clause that if he doesn't have the means, maybe he's not able to. I don't know. This bill, thus, is intended to anchor this principle of Jewish law in the laws of the state and to involve the state with responsibility, responsibility for and application of these moral principles, both in the monetary field by stipulating that if the rescued person lacks the means to... Whoa, let me read that again. <laughs> both in the monetary field by stipulating that if the rescued person lacks the means to pay the rescuer then the state of Israel shall bear the costs. Yeah. And in the area of punitive measures, by providing that if rescue is knowingly withheld from one's fellow man who is in close proximity, then that person shall be subject to a penalty of up to one year's imprisonment. Wait, what was that last part? Who's in prison? If you do not follow this law and you do not help, you can be put in prison for a year. Indeed, it is not usually the case that provision is made for punishment of an offense that is committed by omission, by inaction. However, standing idly by is not merely standing passively by, but rather it is a blunt and serious expression of estrangement from and disregard for human life. And it therefore deserves a suitable punishment where necessary. So that's the idea. We're upholding a higher moral standard. Normally... You don't do anything, okay, you're just shrugging off your responsibility. You're not interested in helping. But the Torah way is, you get in trouble for that. You're required to proactively help save the life of another Jew. I, I think it is amazing that the State of Israel passed this law. The State of Israel does not uh, have all of the rules of the Torah as laws of their land. So I think whenever they do, I think it's, it's impressive and it's understood and it's 
you know, it's not controversial. I think it's a very important uh, moral principles. What time is it? About five after. Okay, let's let's read one more area. I'm not going to get too deeply into it because I actually didn't find too many sources of it, but I want to read for you a few lines from an article from Rabbi Yonason Gethin. He wrote this on Torah.org, which is a nice website, but there's a lot of Torah sources. And he talks about this extra level of this mitzvah, that it's not only talking about standing by while someone's life is in danger. This mitzvah, to not stand over your brother's blood, obligates us to do our utmost to help our fellow men in his time of need. So till now we're talking about physical dangers, and we've mentioned a little bit financial loss. In truth, the mitzvah includes all kinds of situations in which a person may be in need of some kind of help. It is instructive to specify a number of common life situations in which this mitzvah applies. So he gives a few examples of this. If a person is experiencing emotional difficulties, then it is incumbent on us to try to help him, either by giving his, advi- giving his advice or suggesting a suitable course of action to help the situation. Okay, you hear? You, you come across somebody who's experiencing emotional difficulties, try to help. If you're able to help, you have the, the skill and talent to help that directly, then great. And if not, try to guide him to the right place. If one is struggling with earning a livelihood, then those around him should strive to help him find ways of earning more money. If a couple are experiencing marital difficulties, then we should do what we can to help them improve their relationship. For example, suggesting a possible counselor who can help them resolve their difficulties. Not by the whole community lining up to help uh, negotiate and talk out their problems. That's probably not the way. (laughs) (laughs) But rather to suggest something that, that makes more sense. If a person is struggling in a spiritual sense, then we should try to encourage him in his good deeds and observance of mitzvahs. However, one should be careful not to do this in an aggressive way, rather with love and care. Right? The, the principle always is that if, you're, if your words are not going to be well received or they're going to come across as being judgmental or, or unkind in any way, better, much better to be quiet. But if you can share encouragement, spiritual encouragement with love and care, you're obligated to do that. If a person is not succeeding in school, we should try to look for ways to help him. If a person is associating with the wrong kind of people, we should try to help protect him from being badly influenced. And more and more, he says, basically, with a little thought, we can all think of people that we know who are experiencing one or more of the difficulties above. It is not sufficient to merely feel bad for them. Rather, it's our responsibility to strive to do whatever we can to lighten their burden. This is the principle also of, you know, we're all responsible for each other. The last few weeks in this mitzvah, you know, this mitzvah class, we talked about other mitzvahs about how we're required to help each other and love each other and uh, feel for each other. And this is right along in that theme. The Torah requires us to be proactive, to take care of our fellow Jew. We've got to have each other's back. We've got to help each other. And I think there's a lot of that going on in response to Israel. You know, some people are helping save lives. You know, maybe the, the soldiers who are securing the borders you know, are doing that proactively. I mean, all the soldiers in the, in the army are doing that proactively. But everybody else is doing it in another way. It's another way. It's another way of helping. Don't stand by 
when there's hundreds of families, thousands of families from the South who are, who are traumatized, who are in so much pain, who have just buried their loved ones, families of hostages who are taken, right? don't stand by, we're responsible. We gotta help, we gotta help, however we can help. If we can send money, if we can send gifts, if we can send clothes, if we could, if we live there, then we can go maybe visit, if that will be well received, or send food or send toys. All this stuff is happening on a massive scale. It's, a, it's beautiful to see this response, but that's, uh, that's what the Torah demands of us.